Welcome to River Life Podcasts. We're a church family embracing the Father's presence, releasing empowered people to declare and demonstrate Christ's kingdom. We trust that God would use what you hear today to bless and grow you so that you would be a blessing to those around you. For more information about River Life Baptist Church, go to riverlifechurch.org.au or find us on social media. We're doing a series and we're talking about uh, pursuing His presence through prayer and worship and we're, we're talking about what that means. And just on a real practical note, as a, a side junk, I wasn't going to say this, but I think I will now because of where we've just been. Um, when a worship leader uh, spends time then just singing out over us, I hope that you could hear it just like a prayer. It was like we were praying. The invitation at that point for us all is not to disengage and going, where are the words? But to be able to say, oh, my heart is in that same place. And as they speak those words out, as they sing them out, maybe instead of speaking them out, then we we do exactly the same thing. We're in prayer with them. They're, They're leading us into a space prophetically where they're speaking out their heart and they're speaking out maybe even scripture. They're praying it out over us. And together in that space of worship, we do that together. You see, we believe at this church that worship and prayer go hand in hand together. In Revelation, there's this passage that talks about the harp and the bowl and, and as the elders and the, the, uh, in heaven come around the throne and the angels there and there's this idea of harp and bowl the harp being the, the worship that's being played and, and the bowl being the raising up of the incense of the prayers of all the people and we do that together and so I just really want to encourage you that when there's that, that, that space that's being allowed and that almost that breathing in our worship that we're not just going from one song to the next and making sure it's like Christian karaoke that the little dots bouncing across the right word at the right time but when we have that space and we're allowed to breathe it that should be your time to just keep connecting with the Father just keep worshipping, keep praying allow those two things to be able to combine together as we're taking in that deeper place of worship would that be okay? Does that sound like a good thing? That's, that's what we need to do as we continue to lead ourselves in worship in that way. We started this topic on pursuing his presence last week. It's a new series, but it's not a new idea. Pastor Joe mentioned that to us last week, and he said that, you know, we believe everything about the power of the Christian life and the presentation of the life of Christ in us towards the world around us. Everything hinges on his presence. It really is that bigger deal. If we are to be these people who are released, then we must go carrying his presence. Our posture when we come into prayer and worship, the posture that we have when we arrive here on a Sunday or at any of our gathering points together when we come, it changes how we can receive from God and then what you're going to have to give away. Joe reminded us that we can't afford to allow our preferences to become a prejudice that keep us from his presence. We can't allow our individualized preferences become prejudices that keep us from his presence. 
so important for us that our, our attitude, our heart, our mind, our soul, we're, you know, we're encouraged to worship God with everything that we have. Heart, soul, body, mind, spirit, every part of us is to be able to engage in this atmosphere of worship. And what we carry in with us to receive is going to make all the difference to what we do receive and then carry with us as we go. And I want us to keep in mind throughout this whole series that this this pursuing God's presence is ultimately about him, not about us. It's about intimacy with him, not about what we are about to receive. It's not that what we can get there. Prayer and worship and pursuing his presence is not a transaction. It's not what can I receive. It's about just simply coming near to him. And as we draw near to him, you will find that you will receive. In fact, you'll find that it'll change your, your whole world. And the other thing I want us to keep in mind when we're talking about pursuing God's presence is about allowing others to know him. It's when we've experienced the power of God at work in our own lives that then we can genuinely be impacted by his presence and we carry and take his presence. This isn't sophisticated. This is not overly complex. Just last year, you know, we're always very, very aware as, uh, as pastors that have children, and now both of us are working in the pastoral ministry, and, and, and my wife, Robin, who comes from you know, being a pastor's kid, we're very, very aware of how sometimes pastor's kids turn out, you know? Um, uh, we're aware of uh, this little bubble that is so, you know, everyone's looking in on and, and the expectations on them and all these sorts of things. But just like any one of you, we want our kids to know Jesus. We want our kids to love him wholeheartedly. We want our kids to just say, I'm here, I'm abandoned to you and I love you. And our youngest one up until last year was just so hard to get him to church. And you play it off in your mind, you know, do you get him here? Do you not get him here? Do you just drag him here and plonk him down and say you're just going to have to be, which, you know, that's what you want to do. And, and, and oftentimes that's what we do do. <laughs> but I could see his heart just wasn't in it. His heart wasn't engaged at all. Yet he wanted to go on kids camp last year. And so we, of course, went, yes, absolutely, go on kids' camp. But uh, we went into a mode of prayer, just battling it out for prayer for him before he went and as he was on camp. We were praying that he would have such an experience of God. You see, he's heard it all since he was born. I mean, we were, we were speaking scripture over him while he was inside the womb. You know, he, he, he's, he, he knew some of the stuff that was the important stuff to know about God but he'd yet to experience the love of God himself. And we went to prayer for it and he returned home and we were kind of, you know, like, you know, you usually think, how was camp? And what was the best thing about camp? And we asked him what the best thing was, expecting to know that I knew the format. I knew there were some seriously good games and I'm gonna have great food and it was gonna be fun time and all of those sorts of things. And he said, the worship. Now, when I spoke to the worship leaders, they were amazed because they said, well, you know, there are a couple of young leaders and they were like, what? Well, we, we were thinking it was kind of sketch. But when I spoke to our youngest son, he said, it was the worship time. Dad, something happened in my heart during the time of worship. I experienced God during worship. They're my words, not his, but that's the best as I could put words around what he was experiencing. 
Ever since that point in time, my son has been eager to want to tell other kids about Jesus. He's been eager. Yeah, now, I'm not just trying to you know, build him up. He's just been eager in his own way. You know, he, he invited kids along Friday night. None of them could come to the rock outreach and he was like bummed about it. He still went along, but he's talking to kids. He settled into a new school this year and he's, he's talking to new kids that he doesn't even know about. Yeah, I have a faith in Jesus. He's talking to teachers about it. It's transformed him because he experienced God. And it was out of the prayer and times of worship on that camp that transformed him. Listen to the way David puts it, King David, in one of his Psalms, Psalm 34. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his holy people. For those who fear him lack nothing. Lions might grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Can you hear the heart of David? Can you hear the sense of rejoicing, the sense of being thankful for the forgiveness, the provision, the protection, the, the intimacy of relationship that he has with God? And can you hear the tipping point out of this prayer, out of this worship, out of this longing and this loving of God that's within his heart? And it comes to this tipping point where he says, would you taste and see? Would you taste and see? You can almost hear David saying, I've tasted, I've seen. They're the things he's saying beforehand. This is what I've experienced of the power and the love of God at work in my heart. And then he says, come taste. Come taste my God. He is truly delicious. He really is good. You see, genuine prayer and worship take us to that place where we would experience God to the point where out of the overflow of the love we've experienced, we'd be prepared to go to others to say, would you taste and would you see? Have you tasted and seen? As we talk about prayer and worship, we see when we come together in many of our gathering places, like here on a Sunday, we link this idea of prayer and worship together like I was speaking about before. We come in worship to give God the glory. And as we do, our hearts are then changed and the desires of our hearts are now aligned with him as we intercede for the world around us. We saw that in action this morning. Ultimately, worship is a spiritual activity and therefore it needs to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. This means that we must pray to the Holy Spirit that he'll enable us to worship. 
John 4, 23 to 24 says this, A time is coming and has now come when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For there are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship him in spirit and in truth. To worship in spirit and in truth does not just mean in the Holy Spirit. It does mean that, but not just that, but in the spiritual realm, in the realm of spiritual activity. That's why it's not so much about what's happening with the words, what's happening with the music, as it is about what's happening in here. This means that true worship involves not only our physical bodies, but our spirits as well. Worship is not a, a religion, it's not a ritual, it's not, it, it's, it's, worship is supposed to be an intimate, vital encounter with a person. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You know, it tells us in John chapter 4, verse 23, that God continually seeks those who will worship him in the spiritual realm and therefore those who are worshiping God with their spirit as well as their body and their mind, they're the ones who are genuinely worshiping God. And by the way, this isn't optional. If you don't like the idea of worshiping in the spirit, it's actually not optional. Jesus says here in verse 24 of our passage in John chapter four, Jesus says God's worshipers must, must worship in spirit and in truth. Unless our spirits are worshiping God, we are not truly worshiping him. How many times have we come in to just sing a song or to raise a hand or to bow a knee or to be able to say a prayer or to be able to hear the word or whatever and think, oh, we're worshiping. And he'd say, no, you weren't. Not unless your spirit was engaged. Not unless you were engaged in worshipping in spirit and in truth. And an attitude of worship that comes upon us when we begin to see God as he is, is then we respond to him in his presence. And when we worship in truth, we're engaging our spirits, our heart, our mind and our bodies with whom God is. True worship includes the full recognition of who God is. Holy, sovereign, almighty, loving, gracious, merciful, kind. Genuine worship is not something that is generated or worked up in us in of our own accord. It's an outpouring of our heart's response to the realization of who God is. It's the Holy Spirit who allows you to realize who God is. It's the spirit that brings revelation to your heart and to your spirit about the character and the goodness of God. And that's where true worship flows from. The realization of God, uh, of who God is becomes the truth and then becomes the catalyst for our worship. Worship is a way of gladly reflecting back to God the radiance of his worth. That's what it becomes. The product in our lives of worship becomes then, you know, repentance and, and trust and thankfulness and joy. But these products, they don't come just through a dry religious act. 
In John 3.6, Jesus connects God's spirit and our spirit in remarkable ways. He says that that which is born of the spirit is spirit. In other words, until the Holy Spirit breathes life into our spirit, it's as if our spirit is dead and unresponsive. It hardly qualifies as spirit. Only that which is born of the spirit, born out of the Holy Spirit, is spirit. John Piper in Desiring God says, the fuel of worship is a true vision of the greatness of God. The fire that makes the fuel burn white hot is the quickening of the Holy Spirit. The furnace made alive and warm by the flame of truth is our renewed spirit. And the resulting heat of our affections is powerful worship, pushing its way out in confession and longings and acclamation and song and tears and shouts and joy and unrestrained joy, bowed heads, lifted hands and obedient lives. Wow. Of course, when we stop long enough to reflect on the truth of who God is, this immediately brings about the realization of, oh wow, I'm not God. <laughs> oh wow, how I need him. Oh wow, I, I'm reminded again maybe of how holy he is and how holy I am not. And true worship with God results in a, a change, a repentance, a changing of how we think, how we come into alignment with the truth that we've been exposed to. Because this is where the power of the presence of God lies. When we align ourselves with the truth of who he is and we become obedient to him and allow him to work his way out in our lives, that's where the power lies. You see, prayer in itself is not a, 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 something like a, a list that we come to God with so that he would pour out some, some blessings or some favors or some help that we might need. Prayer is that we come into alignment with the very heart of God. Prayer changes us, not him. We're not in prayer to try to change the mind of God. We're there to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And when we join prayer and worship together, that's the very same thing happening in each of our lives. It starts this power of prayer and worship with a realignment to the truth of who God is and then is followed by a genuine expression, a response of body, heart, mind, spirit towards God. The power is in his presence and it unlocks hearts to respond in faith and obedience. It's in this place it's in this place of genuine worship where the power of God is at work through the Holy Spirit brings the, real, the reality of the, the kingdom of heaven to earth. That's why we long to, to, to embrace the Father's presence as a River Life family because as we do so, we're longing to see the things of heaven be released here on earth. Forgiveness and healing and joy and wholeness and peace and love. That just some of the powerful things that, that manifest themselves in God's presence through his people. And the power of the ministry of prayer and worship is not only that we receive these things, but we get to minister them. We're ministers. That's what we do. 
We're designed, created, we're commissioned to give away, to be able to minister what we've received. Freely you've received now, freely. You heard that verse before? Freely you've received, freely now you give. Do you know the context of that passage? Well, let's go back in passages found in, in, in Matthew. And in this passage uh, where Jesus is saying this, he's releasing the 12, his disciples, those in whom he's been training and equipping and, and doing that. And he gathers them to himself in Matthew chapter 10. And, and he says, I need you to go do this. Go and proclaim this message. So he sends them out to preach. He sends them out to, to proclaim. He says, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, that's a good thing, right? Now, that's the message. Then he tells them what it's going to look like when the kingdom of heaven comes near. And so he says to them, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, now freely give. When the power of prayer and worship come together, there is a releasing of us. And as we are released, as we go out, we are to proclaim this good message. The kingdom of God has come near and this is what it looks like. Healing. The dead being raised. The lame walking. Those who are demonized set free. Those who are sick cleansed. I don't know about you, but that kind of power doesn't come from my natural state. That's not me doing those things. I need the supernatural empowering of the presence of God's spirit at work in my life. You see, because what we agree with, what we partner with, we empower, will minister to others. And Jesus set the bar pretty high, but this was supposed to be normal. This was supposed to be naturally supernatural. That's what it's supposed to look like. See, prayer and worship aren't to be used simply as something which gives us a feel good. They can be used as a weapon. These are the things that we carry with us out of our times of prayer and worship, out of our intimacy with the Father as we go proclaiming. We go carrying the presence of the living God. Now, every person's created to be a worshiper. Humankind's chief end is to glorify God, to enjoy Him forever. But worship's not a passive thing. Worship is how we allow God to fight our battles for us. Did you know that? Worship can be extremely powerful. I was just speaking to someone in the foyer and we were kind of reminding each other. It wasn't even, he didn't even know I was preaching on this this morning. And as we were talking to one another, we were reminding each other of the, the power that's contained in stopping to worship God amidst all the mayhem and the other stuff that's going on in our lives and the, what seems to be the noise and the chaos. We come with a weapon that is worship. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, we have this picture of Jehoshaphat. And it says that early in the morning he left for the desert of Tekeo. And as they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and the people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. 
After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out ahead of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, his love endures forever. And as they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir and who were invading Judah, and they were all defeated. Creative types, don't get me wrong, I'm stereotyping. Creative types aren't always the biggest, buffest of people. I don't know if you've noticed. They tend not to be the ones who you would probably put out front fighting for you. I'm just saying. You know, I prefer someone who can throw a javelin or wield a sword than, you know, play a little harp or a guitar or a little something or other. You know, I'm just saying. But Jehoshaphat knew of the power of the worshipper. He knew what was actually going to happen in this situation. A strange battle plan, but that was the plan of the Lord's for them. And there is something inherent in the act of worship that enables us to encounter the power of God like nothing else. It's not effective to simply say to someone, or just, you know, Stop being so proud. Stop being so self-consumed. Stop being distracted. Stop being, you know, worrying. Stop, stop being insecure. Stop being bound up. Stop being materialistic. Stop, 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 stop. But it's effective to tell them to start worshipping. Why? Because where does the shift take place? No longer on me. When I'm caught in all those things, guess who I'm worshipping? <laughs> yeah. But when I turn my eyes to the heavenlies, when I lift up my praise and worship, when I bow my knee before him, guess where the focus starts to go? It starts to lift off me and it starts to go on him. And all of a sudden I put off the lies, I put off the deceit, I put off the attitude, I can put off the things that don't align with God's kingdom and I can start to put on the new self. I can start to feel okay about being created and like God in true righteousness and holiness as, it, as Paul talks about in Ephesians. And when we make that decision to fix our eyes on Jesus, we quickly realize that God has already begun to release the grip that these tendencies can have on our lives. Worship is a weapon. Prayer and worship are a declaration of our weakness and of God's strength. That's what they do. I know that when I'm weak, he's strong, says Paul. It's an attitude of dependence. It's a desire and humility that allows us to enter into worship and a declaration of dependence on God. We like these ideas of a declaration of independence, don't we? Our declaration of independence gets us into all those difficulties. But it's the declaration of dependence on him that we come to in prayer and worship. I need him. I long for him. I desire him. It's no longer just a, a ritual. It's no longer a religious practice. It's an intersection of people coming into the very throne room of God where the intimacy with him changes our attitude and our perspective, lifts it off ourselves and onto him. And it's that that we take out as a weapon. It's the power of that prayer and worship that makes us effective. You see, being in God's presence changes your perspective. 
It changes how you see things. Intimacy through prayer and worship, it changes our lives and the circumstances around simply by, again, giving us this new perspective. When we worship, the invisible God is at work doing invisible and powerful things. It's where we get realigned, refreshed, refueled. There's power in pursuing the presence of God in prayer and worship if we want to see breakthrough in our lives and the lives of others, then it's time to enter into deeper levels of worship, both personally and corporately. It's only when we ascend to the throne room in prayer and worship that we can descend back into the harvest field here on earth, praying and warring for the victory. Don't go out praying and warring for the victory without ascending. When we ascend into the throne room, it's there that we get the plans for the battle of life. It's there that he will release us in the, the, the heavenlies of our prayer and worship that'll get us the weapons to fight what's around us. It'll change the circumstances that we have. We're intentionally opening ourselves up in this time of intimacy to the work of the Holy Spirit because these times of prayer and worship should be the engine room of every believer and become essential to our walk in supernaturally natural ways. And when we come and we say, come Holy Spirit, we're inviting God's presence to be manifest in powerful ways, both in us personally and within this room. That's why we pray it. We're inviting the Father to reveal himself in signs and wonders and to take over this space in which we meet in a way that convinces us all of his presence. I don't want to try to convince you of my presence or convince you of the worship team's presence or convince you of the person who sits next to you's presence. I want to be convinced that God himself was in our midst. It's then that we start to see God powerfully at work in our lives. And it's not uncommon that it's in that atmosphere where people are healed without being prayed for. <laughs> We've seen that a number of times. We've seen a number of times where people have come and said, I, I entered into worship and I was, I was in pain for this injury that I had, but as I lifted up my, my arms, my heart, my spirit, and I connected with God in worship, it was in that presence, it was in Him that I was healed. How wonderful. What a great thing. We've had other times where people have entered into that space and, and, and they've, they've heard from the Lord something that has lifted their spirit and brought them encouragement where someone has come and delivered a, a word of encouragement to them to, to give them a picture of something, that how God is seeing the circumstance that they're in that lifts them up and allows them to take courage again. It's where grace, the grace of God is so manifest that we see freedom from enslaved attitudes and addictive behaviors go, where we see forgiveness flowing freely and the love and the joy and the peace of the Lord experienced in the life of worshipers. But all of that involves faith. See, worship and prayer need to be in faith. 
when you enter this room. This is part of what Pastor Joe was talking about last week when you're, when you're posturing your, your heart to, to come, when you're changing literally the atmosphere of what's happening around you and what you carry. Faith is essential. I once heard it said that faith is the mirror of the heart that reflects the reality of God's kingdom into ours. Through the prayer of faith, we can reach the reality of his world and bring it into this one. That's what faith does. Faith has its anchor in the unseen realm. It lives from the invisible towards the visible. The scriptures contrast the life of faith with the limitations of natural sight. Faith provides sight for the heart. Eyes for the spirit. That's what faith does. And to encourage us in our capacity to see Jesus, he himself continued to give instruction to seek first the kingdom of God. Paul taught us, set your mind on things above, not on things of earth. Paul also said, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And the Bible instructs us to turn our attention towards the invisible. Faith is confidence that what God has promised or said is going to come to pass. Faith is born of the Spirit in our hearts, and that's why worship must be full of faith. A complete heart connection with God, pursuing His presence. Through faith, we can come into agreement with the mind of God. So I kind of want us to get used to coming into this space. Seeing it as one where we exercise faith. We're anticipating that God, by his presence amongst us, will be supernaturally at work. That we can expect these things, the power of prayer and worship. We're tapping into a whole other dimension, an unseen, invisible reality where the power of God is at work. And faith then becomes the doorway of the unseen realm to break through and become manifest, bringing his supernatural outcomes right here. And we should be coming into these times of prayer and worship with such eager anticipation, excited spirits to be a, believing for the impossible. Not just coming in again. I guess it's Sunday morning. Wish they hadn't dragged me here. But with anticipation, with excitement, do you still believe that our God is a supernatural God who can do all things? Do you believe he wants to break out and into this world and display his glory again? Just go back a couple of weeks when we talked about released. It wasn't a release of people who were just passionate. It was people who were released in the power of the Holy Spirit that made a difference. When we come in, we come into worship and prayer with this eager anticipation and faith-filled hearts that God will have his way. Are you overwhelmed by troubles? Are you overwhelmed by circumstance? Will you desperately need to see the power of God break through in your life? Then worship God with all your heart. Be radical 
see the enemy flee. As you press through the heavenlies, a transformation will take place. You'll begin to see the the beauty and the greatness of God. Your faith will rise up. Your spirit will begin to sing. But you've got to take the first step. The invitation is here. Will you accept it? He can turn any darkness into light. What he requires of us is that we have and we cultivate a pursuit of his presence through prayer and worship. And it's then we can expect to see a powerful demonstration of the Holy Spirit at work. I want to invite you to look at things differently at our gathered times of prayer and worship where we pursue his presence with an increased hunger, a desire and a tenacity to to then find ourselves open, heart, soul, mind and spirit to the power of God at work through us so he might touch the lives of others as well. I'd like to pray for you. Then we're going to enter in time of worship. And we say this all of the time, and it's a little bit just exactly like we talked about last week and I've been talking about this week. It's how you enter into this space right now that's going to matter too. As I pray for you, maybe they could be words that you express out of your heart to the Father. Come Holy Spirit. Lord, I choose to worship you today in faith. I choose to worship you with an eager anticipation of what you will do. God, I know that you know how to break through the difficulties in my life. And I choose not to be overwhelmed by circumstances, but instead I choose to behold you and your beauty. Behold you and your glory, your greatness. I choose to say, blessed be your name. You are my victorious God. I'll praise your name and I'll proclaim your salvation day after day. I'll declare your glory among the nations, your marvelous deeds among all people. I will sing to the Lord a new song, a song that comes from my heart. Teach me how to come into your throne room in worship and to live out of your presence here on earth, praying and warring for the victory in every area of life. I'm inviting you, Father, right now, to reveal yourself to us in signs and wonders and to take over this space. I believe that intimate communion with you, Father, your presence is the key to breakthrough in every area of my life. I believe in the power of worshiping and praying to you. I know that your truth dwells in a heart that pursues your presence. Come, manifest your presence amongst us, I pray in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this River Life podcast. Make sure you subscribe to keep up to date with all the latest content. If this podcast has raised any questions for you, contact us via church at riverlifechurch.org.au or through Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening.